Good morning. Welcome to Lord's Day Live. Appreciate you for being with me. I really do. Hey, I'm going to start off this morning with a special request. My dad had a really tough night, and he's really struggling with his health, and uh, he's got, lost a lot of muscle tone, and he's really struggling with his right hand right now. Anyhow, if you'd pray about that, I'll give you more information during our prayer time, but if you'd pray about that, I'd really appreciate it. Lord's Day Live. Thank you for being here. Doodle Bible School. Doodle, the Bible, in a school-like setting. <laughs> and thanks for being here. Man, I'm grateful. I really appreciate it. All right, here's what we do. Basic Bible, great for homeschooling, all that kind of stuff. But we're dealing with Jonah's journey. There he is. I call him the marshmallow man. He kind of looks like a big old marshmallow, doesn't he? <laughs> Uh, Jonah's journey. Way to go, Gabriel. He drew that for me. Way to go, Gabriel. Jonah's journey. That's what we're dealing with. I appreciate you for being here, and I'm looking forward to our time together. Let's just jump right in. <laughs> kind of a pun on the marshmallow man. Remember, he had to be thrown into the... Yeah, that was last. Okay. Here we go. All right. Segment number one. We always watch it right here. We do the doodle. That's where we take time to doodle. So get out your doodle later. And a doodle of tea. Are you ready to draw? Just you and me. I made that rhyme up just as it came out of my face. <laughs> All right. Ah, here we go. Jonah's journey. There's the marshmallow man. Doing, doing, doing. Okay, here we go. This was last time in chapter one. And uh, remember, Jonah runs away from God. In Jonah chapter two, Jonah is going to run to God. All right, if you want to make a two or square anything off, funny letters, even like Jonah's journey or something like that, I'll show you how to do that. It's not really very hard. Just go ahead and mark it like this, all right? But then draw outside the line like this, kind of like you're boxing it in, all right? And then you take out the middle. Look what we got. Are you as excited as I am? Now, what you got to do over here is just kind of give it a... And you take out that middle one. <laughs> That's how you do the two. Now, I'm not pleased because my two's too big. So I'm going to take that off, and I'm going to do it again because we, we didn't leave any place here for God. And we always need to leave place for God. Let me see if I can do it again. All right. And we box that like that. Take out the middle. Make the arrow, take out the middle, and then we can put God over here, right? That's the symbol that that Gabriel has for God, all right? Now, the marshmallow man, he's a little bit more difficult. I'm just not really good at him. But anyhow, he's got his head here, and his, he's got an arm over here, and he's got his body comes down like this. He's running, and then he's got this leg kind of comes back like this. And that's really horrible. And then he's got an arm that comes out like this. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> oh, dear. But anyhow, you get the point. <laughs> Jonah is going to run to God. Okay, so you got the two? All right, very good. All right. Jonah runs to 
God. I'll put this right up here so you can appreciate my fine, handy-dandy work. <laughs> I hope you did better than I did. That's pretty terrible. All right, so Jonah chapter 1, Jonah runs away from God. That's where he gets on the ship at Joppa, remember? And then the big storm, they don't know what to do. They throw him overboard. Big fish swallows him. Storm goes away. Okay. Well, in chapter 2, <clears throat> Jonah's in the belly of the big fish, and he's kind of writing a, a prayer to God. Uh, later, he'll write it down, I guess. But uh, anyhow, you got this. It's kind of a poetic prayer that uh, he's, he's saying to God, I guess, while he's in the belly of the big fish. But he's going to be running to God in the entire chapter. All right, here we go. So, in segment number one, I would ask you, and by way of preparing for your final test, what's the theme for Jonah chapter two? Sorry about the silly dude. He really looks horrible, but I did my best. Jonah is running back to God this time. That kind of looks like a heart on the side, isn't it? God is love. <laughs> that would work. But anyhow, that's really a cloud, but it could be a heart if you wanted to. All right, so there you Can you do a little picture? I think you can. I mean, it's right there. You surely can do better than that. <laughs> Look, his head. It's not even connected to his body. It's like floating out there in space or something. All right, can you give me the theme? Can you do to the picture? I think you can. All right, that's segment number one. Let's be silly. Love the llama guy. <laughs> See, there's a time to laugh. God even said there's a time to laugh. When he made the llama, he was giggling. I just feel like that. On whatever day he made the llama, what would be that sixth day? And he makes the llama, he says, I'm going to make something silly here. <laughs> and so he makes the llama. Oh, dear. We're going to say goodbye to Noah as he's running to God because he's blocking my thing. All right. What do you call a rabbit with fleas? That would be an unfortunate situation. Cindy and I have had rabbits in the past because the boys wanted them, and it didn't work out all that well. Rabbits tend to have rabbits, and then you got more rabbits after that, and it's a lot of rabbits. But anyhow, what do you if your if your rabbit has fleas, what do you call him? A rabbit with fleas is naturally called Bugs Bunny. Because <laughs> he's got bugs. The fleas are the bugs. And he's a bunny. Bugs Bunny. You can remember that one. Take that one with you because people will giggle when you say that one. You know what I'm saying? Write that one down. Old llama buddy. Good to see you. See you later. All right, segment number two. In the second segment, we make a memory. Stick it right there in the old gourd and say, don't go away. <laughs> We're going to stick it right in there. Memory time, okay? So this is your memory verse. Now, what we do is we take old Jonah. Here he comes. Boing, 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 boing. <laughs> Marshmallow, man. All I saw you have to do is say each line five times. Now, I'm making up for last week. Do you remember last time? The last lesson was kind of the, the memory verse. I It was long, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it stretched all the way to the bottom. I'm so sorry. But this one is just a shorty. And so I'm making up. Look, you got four lines. All you got to do is say it five times. Then Jonah prayed. 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 See there? I think you know the first line already. Then Jonah prayed. <laughs> All you got to do is say it five times. All right. And if that doesn't work, what you can do is you can leave blanks here. Okay. Then Jonah, I'm pretty sure, I, there's some marshmallow man guy. I really like him. Then Jonah did what? I think you know the answer, because you're like, we've already sang it in a little ditty. <laughs> then Jonah prayed, remember that one, Jen? Then Jonah prayed. Just sing it, and then look at there. That is another way to memorize, by the way, if you can sing it, especially if it's a shorty like this. Just kind of come up. It doesn't even have to be a really a song or nothing. Just be silly with it. And if it sticks in your head, that's the point. We just want it to stick in your head. 
You know, a lot of passages of Scripture actually have been made into songs, you know. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's a passage right out of the Bible. The book of Psalms, actually, the whole thing is like a book of songs. <laughs> so it's a good way. If you just put it to a silly little, little... If you put it to a silly little ditty, it will stick within your witty mind. <laughs> I'm really poetic today, aren't I? All right, that's enough of that. All right, so if we're going to test over the second segment... We would ask these questions. Where was Jonah when he prayed to God? Where was he when he prayed to God? And can you quote the memory verse? Where was Jonah when he prayed to God? And can you quote the memory verse? All right, let's be silly. I love this girl and her banana. <laughs> yes, I am talking. I love banana, she says. What do you, y'all, what do frogs order at a restaurant? If you were to take a bullfrog out for supper, what do you think the bullfrog would want to order for supper? <laughs> what do frogs order when you go out? They order French fries, excuse me, French flies and Coca-Cola. That's hard to say. French flies, because they're frogs, and croak. A cola, because croaking is the name and the sound that frogs make. That's a little bit hard. You might have to write that one down twice in order to remember that one. But it's actually pretty funny. She thinks it's funny. She's talking on a banana. Oh, dear. Now, into segment three. We're going to ponder a passage. We sit by the pond and we ponder it saying, hmm. As we think about this passage, we ponderate it and we say to ourselves, okay, in ponderation time, let us begin to think about it. Now, this is what I, there goes my, anyhow, there's, this is what I was telling you about. It's written, you can see how the indentations and all that's kind of written like a poem. Now, I didn't get the whole chapter up here, got most of it, but I ran out of space. But when you start in verse one, it just says, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. And uh, notice that it's going to say, out of the belly of Sheol. That's actually the best answer to your first question. Where was Jonah when he cried out to the Lord? He, he says, I'm in the belly of Sheol. Sheol is a Hebrew word that kind of indicates the place of the dead. And so he is thinking to himself, I'm, I'm, I'm a dead man. I'm calling out in the belly of this fish a dead man as I call out to God. Sheol. So kind of a weird word, but uh, that's a Hebrew word. And so he said he called out, for you've cast me into the deep. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall look again upon your holy The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. And so as he's in the belly of the fish and he's going down, you know, I don't know how he breathed in there. I, I don't know. Was it, was it a whale? Was it a bigger fish than that? This was a long time. I don't know. But evidently there was enough of an air pocket or just a miracle by God that he he was able to survive in the belly of this fish. And by the, by the way, they actually have a historical account of a guy who did get swallowed by a whale, and he survived. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, but the waters closed in over me, and he thinks I'm going down. I'm, I'm a dead man, okay? And it says, weeds were wrapped around my head, or about my head. That's going to be another question. What did he have wrapped about his head? Weeds. That's kind of gross, isn't it? And then my life was fainting away 
I remember, as when my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord. So when did he finally come to himself? I need to pray. When he, he felt like he was about to die. His life was fainting away. He was just like, I don't know if I can go any further. I'm about to die here in the belly of this fish. I'm going to remember God, and I'm going to talk to God. And it says that my prayer came to you in your holy temple. And it says, verse 10, here's the results. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. How did the fish know to vomit Jonah out? God told him. All right, you've done your job. It's not the first time that God's talked to an animal in the scriptures, by the way. But anyhow, it gives the fish command. All right, take him, put him on dry land. And then that's the second question, or the last question, I should say. And where did he end up? On dry land. So I don't know how the fish just... Anyhow, there he... There he that, that doesn't sound very good. But our marshmallow man, he'd been in the belly of the fish long enough. And how long, by the way? That was in our last one, remember? Three days, three nights. That's right. But anyhow, and so he's going to be vomited out onto the land, and that's where he's going to begin his journey in chapter 3. But chapter 2 is all about, where's my thing? Chapter 2 is all about the marshmallow man coming to God. Jonah decides he's going to run back to God. Whew! Got it? Good. So if I was going to question you, Present questions for your final test. Here's what they would be. Uh, where did Jonah say he cried out? From where did Jonah say he cried out? Uh, that's that Sheol. Okay. Uh, and then uh, number, the last one, on to what did the fish vomit Jonah? Dry land. So you got it. In fact, I'm not so sure. Your first question and your second question may be the same answer. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, no, I think the first question is taken from your memory verse, that's what it is. I don't remember what it is, but anyhow, look it up. All right, he, this guy says you got it, so I think you got it. If you don't know, just look it up and give me the answer that's there. <laughs> because God knows better than Sonny Childs. Give me his answer, and that will be the best answer. All right, let's be silly again. Where does a rat go when he has a toothache? Frankly, I don't care. I do not like rats, and I don't want a rat around me. But let's just say for a moment that we got a rat buddy, and our rat buddy has got a toothache. Where does the rat go if he's got a toothache? Well, clearly he goes to the rodentist. <laughs> Rodent, rodentist, and here he is. And if that guy's got a toothache, he's got some major teeth happening here. You know what I'm saying? He got a toothache in one of those. It could be a big deal. Sounds to me like you need to lay off the cheese there, buddy. <laughs> Where does a rat go when he has a toothache? He goes to the rodentist. <laughs> All right, segment number quattro. That would be four in the Spanish language. Oh, I love the doing. Why? Not a why. Apply the why. See, that kind of rhymes too. See what I'm saying? Apply why. See, they rhyme. Apply the why. That's when we ask ourselves, Jonah chapter two, who cares? Why do I need to know this? I'm fixing to tell you. There's a couple of reasons, actually several. But uh, here's the one thing I came up with. Um, you can apply it in the, you can apply it by uh, all kinds of things. You know, the idea we need to pray, we need to repent, all of those kind of things. But this is one of the things that kind of stuck to me. Weeds were wrapped around, stuck to me. Get it stuck to my head. Anyhow, weeds were wrapped about my head. 
Uh, did you ever go swimming in a lake or a pond and have weeds wrap around your feet? Ooh, I have. It's kind of slimy and gross, and you don't know if it's a fish chewing on your toe or, or what it is. It's kind of gross. I don't like it. But how would it feel if you're stuck inside a fish and you got all that slow slimy weeds and they're actually wrapped around your face and your head and it's all over? <laughs> Can you imagine being in the belly of a fish for three days? I mean, I'd be praying too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, dear. And the thing about Jonah, and you're going to see this when we get to later, you're going to see he, he, he doesn't get the message. He doesn't change his attitude like he should have. He should have been after this fish thing. He should have been totally submissive to God. But he begins, you'll see, it's not good. All right, so he's got weeds wrapped about his head. Just kind of think about it. Take some lettuce. Here's what you can do. Ask mom if you can have a couple pieces of lettuce. And take them to the sink, get them all wet, and then slap them on your forehead. And I want you to walk around that way for three days. <laughs> Just to experience what, oh dear, parents are going to be writing in and saying, Sonny, what in the world? My child has had lettuce on her head for three days. <laughs> oh, no. Anyhow, that would, be, that would give you the experience, you know, having, having it all over. That'd be terrible. Jonah, what a story. All right, here's your question that I need you to write a little tiny short paragraph. Don't make a big old thing. Watch this right here. Watch, he's going to say it right there. Just a short answer is fine. You don't need to read, write a book or nothing. How would it feel to be stuck inside a fish with slimy weeds wrapped around your head? So there's two parts to this one. Number one. What would it feel like to be stuck inside a fish? Just go with that one. I mean, you know, you're up inside there, probably cramped quarters, you know, and you're feeling the inside of the stomach of the fish. <laughs> what else is in there? I bet it smells real good in there, too. <laughs> what would it be like to be inside a fish for three days? And then the last one, how about having seaweed all around your head, etc.? I mean, what would that feel like? This ought to be a good one. I, I think that you're going to write this one out, and you're going to say, that's a pretty interesting thing, dang it there, Sonny Chow. Anyhow, that's segment number four, and that's what we did right there. Let's be silly again. Love this guy. He's fully in thought. You can tell with the finger thing, you know. He, he doesn't know what in the world. Here's what he's dealing with. What do you call it when one hammock makes fun of another hammock? You know what a hammock is? A hammock's that thing you switch, you, you tie between two trees, you know, and it, like a, a bed that's in the air. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. Well, what, what do you call it if one hammock is making fun of another hammock? Do you ever think about that? What do you call it? Well, you call it hammockery. <laughs> hammockery. Yeah. To make fun of somebody else is called mockery. But these are hammocks. So if you combine it, it's hammockery. <laughs> he's still got his finger there because he's still the, He's saying, Sonny, that don't make sense. <laughs> All right, segment number five. In segment number five, we're going to take time to test. And our little lady friend, she says, oh, joy. <laughs> oh, you can tell she loves the testing part. <laughs> Here we go. Are you ready? All right. In Jonah chapter two... We have got these 10 questions that I place before you in a solemn request for you to take time to think about them and put your answers down upon a piece of paper in a proper way. <laughs> I think I've gone Italian. All right. What is the theme of Jonah 2? Can you do it in the picture? I think you can. 
Come on down here. How would it feel to have be stuck inside a fish? We just did that one. All right. I think you guys got it. Somebody take a screenshot of that. While you do, I'm going to get me some old H2O water. You ever do that? <coughs> it goes down the wrong pipe. I wonder if Jonah had that. I bet he did. I bet he did. That would be terrible. Inside a fish. Smells great. Seaweed wrapped around your head. And he gets choked. <coughs> oh, my. Anyhow, did you guys get it? There's your ten questions. Here, I'll smile big so you can make sure you get me included in your screenshot. Let me give it. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Got it? Good deal. All right, well, I don't know what to say except I love you. Proud of you. Be there. Matthew 16, 26. That, my friends, was a wonderful time. <laughs> Wasn't it? Did you enjoy it? it? says it was fun. Let me get my face out the way here so you can see this information over here. <clears throat> we keep hearing from folks really around the world saying that they are enjoying our Doodle Bible School and things of that nature. We got folks that really, I, I checked the statistics recently. We got thousands of people that are watching this stuff. Anyhow, if you thought it was beneficial, would you consider supporting our ministry? Because we really, we do live on a shoestring. Uh, we try to live a very simple life, and we try to take the money that we got and use it in missions and send it to missionaries that are doing good things, etc. So we, we really do live a, a very tight budget. And if you could help us continue to keep this alive so that we can keep these things going out for free, and etc., that would mean a lot. You can scan this. Or... Appreciate your help. All right, it's prayer time, and as I say every time, if you have something you want us to be praying about, go ahead and uh, comment in the comment section, and I'll try to I'll try to comment and mention what you have said so that it gets into the recording. Um, <clears throat> I said at the opening that my father's had a really tough night, and he did. In fact, we we were debating as to what in the world we should do. Should we take him to the e room or what? And, and, and at present, we have decided to just kind of play this thing out. He, he, in the night, he developed a little bit of paralysis in his right hand, but it doesn't seem to affect his arm, uh, his legs, nothing else. Uh, he smiles okay, he stick his tongue out, you know, you always check those for a stroke, uh, that kind of thing. Anyhow, he's uh, he's lost a lot of, uh, of muscle mass, and uh, he, he's struggling with that. And I kind of think maybe it's more of a muscle issue than anything, but uh, his hand doesn't want to function, and, and uh, so... I asked him to grip my hand, and uh, it's uh, he can grab it, but he doesn't hold on very tight. Anyhow, Dad's really, really been struggling. Of course, my mom's pretty frail, but she's over there. She takes care of him. I live just across the yard, so I can come at a run, as I did this morning. But uh, anyhow, please pray for Dad. Uh, repairs to the old house that we live in. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, we've been kind of putting this off. Gabriel and I have been putting this off because... We, uh, the snakes under the house and all that kind of, we don't want to have a surprise, etc. but it's time. And so this whole floor has rotted out. This used to be the laundry room. We boxed it in because we haven't been able to use it for almost a year now. And, uh, anyhow, and so we're tearing up the old floor, getting down in there and replace these beams because they've rotted out kind of a mess, but Cindy deserves to have uh, her room back that right through that little thin piece of paneling right there. That's her kitchen. 
<laughs> she's not real happy to have open space. And right now, present tense, it's just you can look right down into the ground. <laughs> Very earthy look at our house right now. But pray about that, if you will. Got a friend who's going to spend, it seems, um, the, uh, the, the holidays in the hospital. She had uh, brain surgery and uh, went successful. Uh, and they're thrilled about the results, but they nicked a, 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 a membrane or something, and uh, they're having to make sure, monitor that to make sure it heals correctly so that they don't have further problems. So she's in ICU, still in the hospital, and uh, probably going to be there through Christmas. So pray for her, pray for her family, because they sure wanted to get her home. And uh, anyhow, pray for that, if you will. Also, um, I got a special sermon this morning. And uh, before I do that, let me, I, don't, I should have put these two together. I've got another family member who's also being hospitalized. This particular family member is in Kentucky and in a lot, a lot of pain. And uh, they think maybe they've begun to pinpoint what might be the problem and they're trying to deal with it, but uh, he's in a lot, a lot of pain. And if you'd be praying for him, please, and the family as they are trying to comfort him and take care of him. Got a special sermon coming up this morning. At 10.20 a.m., uh, I'll be in Marmaduke preaching. Gabriel's going to be in Boydsville preaching. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to be preaching on the Christmas story as told by the Apostle John. Uh, John has two accounts of the Christmas story, neither of which are really considered when you talk about the classic Christmas story. Uh, John 1, and then when you go to the book of Revelation, chapter 12 and others, of other places in the book of Revelation, you kind of you deal with this whole idea of the Christmas story, what Jesus was about, etc. That's going to be my sermon topic. And so if you're interested, you can tune in at about 10.20 here and, and uh, eh, about an hour from now, and I should be presenting that in the pulpit at Marmaduke. Most of you know my crazy schedule on Sunday morning. I do Lord's Day Live, which is a Bible class, and then uh, that goes to 9, 9.20, then we do prayer time, and then we do sermon segment, which takes me up to about 10 minutes to 10, jump in the old car, rush to Marmaduke, get there just as they're singing the songs right up to communion time. Then I get in the pulpit, do my thing there. It's a crazy Sunday morning schedule, but I'm thankful to have it. But uh, join me at 1020. I think you'll enjoy that lesson. It's rather unique. Uh, trips to Kenya. Uh, I got a note from a, a good friend in Kenya who says he's really excited about having us come and hopes that when we get there that I will be able to share with him and his family and some other Christian families uh, as to how to appropriately home church. Really excited that this message of the home church is getting out literally around the world. Um, those who are missing family members at Christmas, I know my family's included at that, in, in that, uh, a blank seat at the table, and uh, just a lot of sadness and those kind of things, so be mindful of them, if you will. I can hear Gabriel just started up the truck. He's about to head out to Boysville. Pray for Gabriel that he'll be safe, would you please? Also, we uh, continue to try to raise money for the Restoration School of Biblical Studies. And uh, recently, Judah came for a visit, and he is helping me load some scrap metal so we could go. We got $40 for that scrap metal. But anyhow, he has helped me. And while he did, he found this old colander. And so after we cleaned it out, he decided that he was going to use it as a helmet for their sword fights. Him and Uncle, they're always having sword fights. While we were there, we got to see the big old crane as it picks up the stuff. And anyhow, we continue to raise money for the Restoration School of Biblical Studies. And uh, there's a lot of ways that you can help us. Uh, one, just 
the biggest prey for us, that uh, we can have the scrap metal to sell and other items that we come along, uh, we, we come up with. And then uh, secondly, if you've got scrap metal or something that you could give to us or items that we could sell on behalf of the Restoration School of Biblical Studies, that would be really awesome. Watch social media. I post some things out there, especially Facebook Messenger, things that are for sale uh, that you could buy from us so that we can continue to support Restoration School of Biblical Studies, uh, etc. So if you could do those things, that would really that'd be a blessing. That would be helpful. And then, of course, home church worship guides. Uh, I don't know if there's anything you could do that's more important to the security of your family than make sure that you have regular Bible study together. And so here is the home church worship guide for today. Put that up there so you can screenshot it. You, I think you know what to do with it. Try to present those every Sunday during Lord's Day Live so that you'll have something. Even if you do go to the official church building and sit in the official pews and all that kind of thing with the corporate worship, even if you do that, may I ask you to make that a supplement to your home worship. Home worship is really what the New Testament church did. I can share it for you right in. I'll give you 15 plus passages that show they worshiped in their homes. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with the corporate setting if it doesn't facilitate complacency and materialism and that kind of thing. But uh, that's a supplement. Real intense worship is designed to be a family affair. And so use this kind of thing in order to draw your family into that setting. Got it? All right. Well, it's just about time for us to go to the sermon segment. I always try to wait until 9.30. And there it is. 9.30 is this. All right. Welcome to the sermon segment of Lord's Day Live. I am so thankful to have you along with me. We are studying the book of Jonah, and we're trying to make application to the book of Jonah. Jonah applied. It's only four chapters. Uh, you'll see those four chapters here in just a moment. But uh, here are the five questions that if you're studying on your own or part of the School of Biblical Studies, you can look up those passages and, and know the answers or just pay attention here for the next few minutes as we run through this in a sermon kind of a, uh, of a genre, trying to make application to our own personal lives. As I told you, there are actually four chapters to the book of Jonah, all of which kind of wrap themselves around the journey of Jonah. Jonah runs from God, runs to God, runs with God, and runs ahead of God. And this morning, we're into chapter 2. Last time, we looked at the idea of him running away from God, goes to Joppa, gets on a ship, big storm, thrown overboard, three nights and three days in the belly of the fish, etc. Okay. Well, in chapter 2, we're going to see the prayer of Jonah, or the account that Jonah presents with regards to his return, his repentance to God. Jonah runs to God. Jonah applied. Here's your little picture to help you remember the theme of the chapter. Jonah runs to God. I want to talk about repentance, and there's actually going to be four four points. <laughs> I almost always have three points. If I go beyond three points, I try to have five points. But we're going to have four <laughs> because that's what the Holy Spirit gives us in this particular passage with regards to true repentance. What does true repentance, true repentance look like? Now, before I get into the lesson too deep, I, I want to suggest to you that repentance is truly the lifestyle 
of the Christian. Ongoing repentance. You don't believe that? Read 1 John chapter 1, walking in the light. Read that context. 1 John, there's only 10 verses in the first chapter. 1 John chapter 1, read that context, and it's going to tell you that repentance, acknowledgement of sin, staying in the light. We've got to be people who are living the process of repentance. 24-7, I'm constantly looking at my life and asking, what do I need to change? Okay? All right, that being said, then you could really make the point that repentance is among the greatest of Christian virtues. It's what we are known for. People who are constantly trying to grow up. Holiness, sanctification, maintaining our faith, all of those kind of things. All right. So knowing that then, come to our text in chapter 2 of the book of Jonah, and notice what's going to happen here. Verse 1, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol... I cried, and you heard my voice. The belly of Sheol. Uh, the word Sheol is a Hebrew term that it references the place of the dead. And so Jonah at this particular point is in the belly of the fish, but he, he feels like he's next to death. He's on the journey toward death. It's over. I'm done. And so he's going to cry out to the Lord in that distressed situation. If you're going to mark true repentance you'll notice that true repentance has a desperate mode to it. It's one of the reasons I struggle with some of those who come to the Lord in their supposed conversion experience. And it's less of a desperation for forgiveness and more of a celebration that they've already been forgiven. Uh, the idea that if I, uh, you know, I, I some, die, some months earlier I bowed my head and said the sinner's prayer, but today I'm going to get baptized because I want to show the world what I have done. There, there's no desperation in that. Even many times back prior to that when they claim to have had a salvation experience through the saying of the sinner's prayer, even then there's oftentimes not a desperation. Sometimes there is, but a lot. If you read Acts chapter 9, and then Paul retells it in Acts 22, especially verse 16, Acts 22, 16, you find that there's a real desperation there of, of Paul. He was originally called Saul. But he's going to cry out to the Lord. It's going to arise and be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. That's what baptism is. Baptism is the desperate, the desperation of our situation. And so not unlike Jonah, who's really baptized in the sea, and in that baptism, there's a desperate call out for God. So it is with you and I in our baptism. True repentance is always going to have, as part of it, some level of desperation. I should not have done that. Oh, I feel lousy. I'm humiliated. All of those kind of things. If we do not have that, I'm not sure you can say that you have true repentance. Number two, it's also true repentance. It's also going to be marked by isolation. Notice as we continue on down here, for you've cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea. The flood surrounded me. All the waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. See the, see the isolation there? I, mean, I can't think of a, a worse place to be than in the belly of a fish at the bottom of the sea. And knowing that you know, you're here because God put you there by way of punishment. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's not only a desperate moment, it's an, it's an isolated moment, is it not? And then you come down later on, verse 5, I find this to be kind of creepy. The waters closed in over me, taking my life, uh, the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. So you got this, a whole, you know, being encased. 
Now imagine what the belly of the fish would have smelled like. How does he breathe down there? I don't know. Uh, was he gasping for air for three days, you know, etc. And then you, you got the seaweed all over him. It's, it, this would have been a very gross, isolated spot for him to be. When we come to true repentance, there will be a loneliness. There will be a, man, I, I messed up, and I, and I have caused the separation between me and loved ones, me and God. There's going to be an isolation. And if you don't feel that, you got to wonder if this is, is, well, let me go here. You know how some people are not really sorry. They're just sorry they got caught. Well, that's, this, this test right here will help you to understand whether or not your repentance is legit. Is this really a legitimate time of me turning my life around? Or am I just sorry that I got caught? Well, if you're desperate and you're isolated and you're number three, you're going to find out with regards to inspiration, true repentance, you're going to begin to mark whether or not this is just a moment of me being sorry I got caught or a moment of real change in my life. Weeds wrapped around his head, and it says, When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord. Again, that was a desperate moment there. His life is fainting away. He just feel like, I can't live. I'm not going to live much longer. He's isolated. But he's also inspired. This phraseology, it represents an inspiration of conditions, or an inspiration. He acknowledged where he was at. I, it's sad, but some of the greatest evangelistic work is accomplished in a hospital. Because that's when you're really considering your mortality. The fact that you're able to get out and work and go and, and keep that, that breakneck schedule all day long, except for 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, whatever it may be, that kind of rush, the devil keeps you in that kind of rush so you're not thinking about your mortality. But when you get to the hospital and you're laying there in bed for hours by yourself, it's, you begin to think about, I'm going to die. One of these days, I will die. Well, Jonah is at that point, and he's inspired. We always use inspiration as kind of a positive. And I guess it is here a positive, but it kind of comes from a negative angle. He's inspired by his own potential death. And he says, i got to do something about this. I've got to make this right. And so we see this whole repentance thing happening. Now, really, if you want to capsulize, encapsulize the, the repentance of Jonah, you're going to find it down here in the last part of verse 7. My life's spending away, remember the Lord, and my prayer came to you. What's he saying? i got to be honest with you. When you study the book of Jonah, I don't know whether his repentance was as true as the repentance you need to have. As you study chapters 3 and chapter 4, you're going to find out that uh, in, in chapter 3, uh, well, I'm, I don't want to give that stuff away, but you're, you're going to find out basically that he, he's not going to really fully understand or appreciate the journey he had in the belly of the fish. You'd have thought that by that time, he'd have said, I'm submitting to God. It doesn't, I don't care what he tells me. He tells me to jump off his roof. I'm jumping off the roof. But he goes to, to Nineveh, and he's going to preach a really, 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 really short and it seemed lesson, really, really short sermon, and it seems that it doesn't have much conviction to it at all. And so, I, honestly, I don't know. These are the steps to true repentance, but I'm not sure that Jonah exercised them as well as he should have. Or maybe the point is that 
you need to recognize that a repentance mode can quickly change. You see this in, in the book of Judges, how that they repented, came back to God, but just within one generation, they're quickly getting full of themselves, and they go off into idolatry, and God has to send them away into slavery again. Repentance is something you've got to work on. It's something that doesn't hold unless you are focused upon it. And I think that this is a definite journey of Jonah into repentance, but it doesn't seem to hold as you're going to get into chapters 3 and 4. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit more uh, as, as the lessons play out. But number four, with regards to true repentance, it also is going to, re it's going to bring about emancipation, being freed, freed from something. Perhaps you remember the day that you came to the Lord and uh, you confessed your sins and you were baptized into Jesus, according to Romans 6, 3 and 4. He circumcised your heart of that sin, according to Colossians chapter 2. Maybe you remember that day and you remember how good you feel, you felt. I do. I remember the day I was baptized, came up from the water, and I thought to myself, I am sinless. I mean, it was just like such a, a great revelation and emancipation, which is our word, a freedom that came about. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Now, that's kind of a gross emancipation, but you know that Jonah was thrilled to get out of the belly. And you also know that when he gets out of the belly, that one of the things he's going to do as he gasps for air and he's finally free and he can see the sun and you know all the, one of the things he's finally about to come to we know this from the next chapter he's going to get after the business of doing God's will he's going to do what God intended for him to do back there in chapter one so in chapter three just spoiler alert I'm trying not to say but in chapter three we're going to run with God he's actually going to do the will of God so the only chapter really that is, what Jonah's supposed to be doing is chapter 3. I guess he's supposed to be doing chapter 2 as well if you, if you run into sin, but it's unfortunately he had to do that. We should have started in chapter 3 and, and, chap and should have ended in chapter 3. Because when you get to chapter 4, he's not going to be doing the will of God no more. But my point is from all of this, that this is the journey of repentance. But it doesn't hold if you don't focus on it. The desperation, as quick as you're able to gasp air and feel good about yourself again, the desperation is gone. The isolation, as quick as you're forgiven and people draw you back into your into their circle, the, the isolation is gone. The inspiration, as quick as you uh, come into that moment of mortality, you recognize your mortality, but then you get back into the rat race of life, the inspiration is gone. The emancipation is underappreciated because even though you have been freed, you have lost your focus. And so even though this is a journey towards true repentance, it's got to be focused on in order for you to hold it. That's why Calvinism is such a damnable doctrine, because it, it completely removes responsibility from you and I. Jonah had the responsibility to move through all of these things and hold on. You've got the responsibility to move through all of these things and hold on. 1 John chapter 1, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, you got to walk, and you got to stay in the light. And that requires turning around whenever you get off into the darkness. Move back into the light. You are responsible. You cannot save yourself, but you can ask the Savior to save you. And so this is the journey towards repentance, the true journey. But know that even if you come through all four of these, if you're not continually focused upon them, 
you're likely to move away from them and lose the repentance mode. All right, here are the five questions that I tried to cover in that lesson. If you screenshot them at the opening, you don't have to screenshot them at the conclusion, but there they are. You got them? All right. I sure appreciate and love you guys. Thank you so much for sticking with me and supporting our ministry. It really means the world to us. Uh, we need it. We live on a shoestring budget, trying to take care of how we love. We live at top of Senior Citizens Hill, as I like to call it. Cindy's dad lives with us, and, and my folks live just a few steps from our house, and we try to stay on top of it. Anyhow, we, we live on a tight budget, but we try to get out as much, maximize as much as we can with regards to ministry, and your support helps us to do that. Thank you so very much. It is the Lord's Day, and because of that, let's make sure that you and I Keep it simple, innocent, and meaningful. Make sure that what you offer up to the Lord is what He deserves. He deserves all of you. Keep it simple, innocent, and meaningful. Thanks for being with me. This is Sonny Chow saying, be there, Matthew 16, 26.